Wednesday. Good Saturday morning. It is the Hockey Show. I am Dave Rothenberg, and this is 98.7 ESPN. Well, Islanders fans, we started this journey weeks ago thinking maybe they'll get by Pittsburgh. Check. Then we move on and think maybe, possibly, they'll get by Boston. Check. There are going to be four teams remaining, and your fancy New York Islanders are one of them. Thanks, Anthony Pusick, for the yes, yes, yes drop there on 9870 SPM. Moving forward, we're going to recap everything you've seen so far in the uh, postseason. Islanders beat the Bruins in six. I said they can't win three games in a row. They shut me up when it came to that. Uh, We'll hear from Barry Trotz. We're going to hear from all the particulars. We'll hear the calls of how they sounded here on 9870 SPN. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN will join us in a little bit to break down the series and uh, maybe a little range as well and what's going on in the rest of the NHL. But here's how it moves forward with us on 98.7 ESPN and the Islanders Lightning Series. Winner of this, this is not the Eastern Conference Finals now. This is the semifinals and the winner of this will play the winner of Montreal and Vegas in the Stanley Cup Finals tomorrow. 2.30, right here on 98.7. It's the Islanders and the Lightning from Tampa, Game 1. Tuesday, 7.30, right here, 98.7 ESPN, Islanders and Lightning, Game 2 down in Tampa. Thursday, next Thursday, June 17th, 7.30, Lightning at the Islanders at the Coliseum here on 98.7. And then a week from today, next Saturday, At the barn, 7.30, Lightning at Islanders here on 98.7. If it's needed, Monday, June 21st, Game 5. Wednesday, June 23rd, Game 6. Friday, June 25th, Game 7. Islanders-Lightning, a rematch from what we saw last year in the postseason. So get ready as we get rolling here on the Hockey Show on a Saturday morning. Last we left you off. Islanders trailed two games to one against the Boston Bruins. Islanders were in a position where they're home. They had lost game three. They needed to win desperately game four. And it came out first period, no goals into the second period. And the Bruins with a 2-1 series lead took a 1-0 lead on a goal from David Krejci. Power play goal, Marshan and Pasternak with the assist, and all of a sudden, this palpable buzz at the Coliseum was dwindling by the moment. But a couple of minutes later, Kyle Palmieri scores a monster goal, his fifth of the postseason, Barzell and Eberle on the helpers, and we are now 1-1 heading into period three. In the third, 13 minutes into the period, the Islanders got maybe the biggest goal of the season. Goes center point for Scotty Mayfield. Takes the wrist shot. Hit a player. Barzell. If only Matt Barzell could excite the play-by-play voice of the Islanders, Chris King, just a little bit more. But that's the goal, and that, you could argue, is the biggest goal of the season for the Islanders. It makes it 2-1, to one, as heard right here on 98.7 ESPN. A uh, little bit later, Casey Sezika scores his second of the postseason at 18.57, making it 3-1. And then J.G. Pajot makes it 4-1 with just three seconds to go. And there you have it. At the end of four games, with home ice still intact, the Islanders deadlocked the series at two and two. Here is Barry Trotz after the game on Matt Barzell and what he did. 
I thought uh, he was competing as I, as I use the term. He was fighting for his inches. He made some plays. Obviously, the first goal, you know, right after the we had a huge, obviously, uh, penalty kill on that challenge, and then his line came out right after that, and they, uh, you know, he they were pretty determined. I, I thought that that penalty kill gave us a little bit of a, a boost, and then obviously when we scored right away, you know, that that really got us going in the right direction. So I like Matt's game. He was dangerous all night, and he kept putting the pucks uh, to the net and creating and you know even uh, the one where he drove wide and took it to the net that's how you're going to score in the in the playoffs and he's doing it right now now i don't know if you remember last week we had emily kaplan on the show and i asked her point blank i said how do the islanders continue to win games if matt barzell doesn't score goals and she said quite frankly they don't well he answered the bell in a big way this week more from trots after the game on uh jg pajot's line for the isles Pajot's line did a really good job. Uh, you know, obviously they, they had a lot of head-to-head battles with the Bergeron line, face-offs, and battles. That's a that's a tremendous line that they have, and they did a, a really good job. But that's Pajot. I thought Palmieri was really strong. I don't think Travis Ajak lost a, a puck battle tonight. He was, I thought, really, really good. Uh, you see why he was uh, captain in New Jersey. Um, I thought he was he was really strong. That line was good. I thought uh, I didn't have any any issues with any of my lines. I thought that we had four lines going tonight and. When we do that, we have success. How, how good is Barry Trotz, by the way? And is it a coincidence that since he's been with the Islanders as a head coach, they've won five series? The Capitals, since he left after they won the Cup, they have not won a series as of yet. And they play such a, a physical brand of hockey. They roll four lines. Their goaltending is good. The home ice is a big advantage for the Islanders. So we talk about that physicality. Why are you so good, coach, in these physical grind them out games? Well, I think it's just uh, that's the way we're built. That's the, our, you know, I think that's the way our roster's been created. We know who we are. We don't try to be someone else or someone that you want us to be. We know who we are as a group and how we can be successful. So it's roster construction and um, we have some good pieces and uh, they know their roles and they know uh, their identity and and that's why I think uh, it works for us. You watch the Islanders and, and what they do is they smother you. They get the lead and they smother you and they don't give you the opportunity to score goals and, and Trotz was asked after game four about limiting Boston's chances late. When you can get you know a little bit of momentum and not give the other team a, a chance to get some momentum, that that's huge. And even in the first period, looking back on their chances, I don't, their first chance came on the uh, I want to say the Pasternak hitting the open net, the the post. I, I believe that was their first chance, real chance that they had uh, in that period. And I think it was about uh, three and a half minutes to go in that period. So I, I liked our whole game. I mean, they're they're a, they're a hell of a hockey team. There's no question. They're they're very talented. They've got some exceptional people on their on their team and we uh i thought we we played our game we we checked well we competed at a high level and and we got things done and and you know at the end of the day uh that's what you want to do you want to you want to get to your game stick to your game and and i thought we did tonight such a, a calming voice that is barry trot so here we are let's set the stage for you now we're we're 2-2 Heading back to Boston, Varlamov playing really well in net. He's going to be your, your goaltender again for Game 5. And like we've seen so often in the postseason, the opponent scores first. David Pasternak at 125 of Period 1, his sixth of the postseason. McAvoy and Marchand with the assist, and it's one nothing almost throughout the rest of the first period. But again, the guy that we said has to step up, and he does at 1849 on the power play. And that's the key here. 
The Islanders' power play has started to really get rolling. Barzell with the goal, his third of the postseason. Dobson and Eberle with the assist on the power play, and it's 1-1 heading into period two. Back on the power play, and at 4.46 of the second period, it's Kyle Palmieri who scores yet again his sixth, uh, assisted by Bailey and Letty, makes it 2-1 Islanders. Then Brad Marchand knots the game at two just a couple minutes later, his sixth of the postseason, Pasternak and McAvoy with the assist at 7.27. Now we're tied 2-2, late stages of game five of period number two. And at 14.30, it's Josh Bailey who scores Pajot and Bavillier. Uh, with the assist, making it 3-2 at 14.30 of the second period. And then Eberly with his third, Barzell again, and Dobson with the assist at 16.38 on the power play. So now the Islanders have three power play goals so far in Game 5, and they lead 4-2 at the end of two periods of play. And then early stages of the third, knowing that Boston's going to throw the kitchen sink at you, the Islanders light the lamp yet again. Smith for the Bees, rips it off the dasher near side, gloved down by Pellick, plays it in the slot, open as Nelson shoots, he scores! Oh, Nelly! Brock scores in the opening two minutes of the final period! It is now 5-2 Islanders! And that, of course, is the dulcet tones of one Chris King on 98.7 ESPN. Brock Nelson, his fourth of the postseason, Bavillier and Pellick with the assist, and it's 5-2, and the Islanders fans start to celebrate. But Pasternak scores to make it 5-3 on the power play only a couple minutes later and still almost 16 minutes to go in the third. Uh, Krejci with his second of the postseason at 14-43. Now your score is 5-4. But that's it. Boston could muster very little beyond that. And your final score is 5-4. Islanders beat the Bruins. And they take a 3-2 lead in the best of seven series after the game. Barry Trotz, what did it take to hold off that incredible push by the Bruins at the end of game five? Obviously, we needed good goaltending. We got that. But we knew they were going to come out early, and they did. And they they scored the first goal, and we had to survive that. And then we had some timely goals tonight. You know, our power play hit on some timely goals. They made a couple mistakes, and we capitalized. I felt like we ended up, when we got up to uh, our fifth goal, I felt that we started backing up a little bit. and, And... and we can't play that way. We got to play a little bit on our toes a little bit more. So we'll get that corrected. But uh, we knew it was going to be a tough building. You knew you we were going to get their A game. And I felt they did. They, they brought their A game. Well, they brought their A game, but the Islanders brought their A-plus game, and they walk out of um, Boston with a a 5-4 victory and now one home win away from moving on and taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Islanders went on a big run last year, and we know that they lost eventually in the Eastern Conference uh, Finals to the Tampa Bay Lightning. How has all that postseason experience helped you so far, Coach Trump? It's invaluable. You know, you don't get an experience. I mean, this is game, Kimber, you're going to have to help me, 42 or 43 in the last couple of years. So this group's been together for the most part. You go through different experiences, and you, it doesn't always go the way you you map it out or the way you you want it. And so you just understand that you got to break the game down into into smaller micro type of pieces and you know like like the end of the game okay we're still up we just got to break that down to the last five minutes and if we do it right then we can come up with a victory and that's sort of what we did and we managed the you know, it was uncomfortable they made us uncomfortable you know the way they played they played very well but we didn't panic there's a there's a calmness about our group and that's to me experiences instead of worrying about all the things i think what experience does is doesn't matter if it's hockey or 
it's in life experience just lets you focus in on four or five things that are the most important and everything else will fall into place the inexperience is when it's chaotic and you're and you're worried about 10 or 12 or 15 other things in it and it uh, it doesn't become calm it becomes very chaotic so I think that's what the the playoff experience has allowed us to do is that we can just you know get refocused on the next happening the next event and and that's that's probably what it's done for us well, they certainly are an experienced team, and the Islanders now take a 3-2 lead in this best-of-seven series. So it's all sunshine and roses on the Islanders' side of things, but on the Bruins' side after Game 5, oh, their head coach, Bruce Cassidy, was not happy calling out the officiating. You know, that's the part that I guess gets frustrating, uh, but you play through it. You know, it's like the Bergeron today. He's throwing out the, what, the first two, three, four face-offs he takes because someone mentioned, you know, have a little respect for Patrice Bergeron. He's up for the Selkie. He's, he's been a, a, a warrior in this league, a face of the franchise, uh, does everything right for hockey, sells the game, and that's the way you treat him. I mean, come on. You know, because someone speaks out and says something like, he, you know, all of a sudden. So they just need to be better than that. Just, you know, just call the game what you see. Quit listening to these outside influences and 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 get it done right. Because I, I don't think they were great tonight. I'm not going to lie to you. But they have been and they're good officials. I know those two guys. They're good guys, good officials. And I don't know tonight. I just thought they were off. But he could say the same about us. All right. And he called the uh, Islanders. They're not the New York Saints is what he had to say. They're the New York Islanders. Barry Trotz responding to what Bruce Cassidy had to say. You'll have to ask him about that. I know that uh, uh, just look at where we ended up uh, during the during the year. I think we were the one of the least penalized teams in the whole league. So I don't know what he means by that. Oh, you'll have to ask. Yeah, Barry Trotz is not going to get into a, a battle with Bruce Cassidy, and there's no reason to. Uh, all right, so there you have it. Now we're five games into this best of seven. Islanders leading three games to two. I think you know how game six turned out, but if somehow you don't or you really want to hear the particulars, oh, you go nowhere. We'll play that for you next. We'll hear from Barry Trotz. We'll hear from um, Chris King as well, Anthony Bovillier, Brock Nelson, all of it. And game six, how did it play out? You'll find out next right here. It's the Hockey Show on a glorious Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7. ESPN. All right, it's a Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. So we left you off with the Islanders. It's a cliffhanger. Islanders up three games to two. Back to the Coliseum. Game six. And let's get right to it. Uh, At 8.52 of period number one, Travis Zajac for the first time this postseason scores a goal. Dobson and Pajot with the assist. Islanders with a 1-0 lead. Islanders held that lead to late stages. A little more than uh, two minutes to go in period one. And Brad Marchand scores on the power play. Pasternak and Krejci with the assist. And we're 1-1 into the second. And if there were floodgates at the Coliseum, they would open now. At 5.20 of the second, Brock Nelson, fifth of the playoffs. Bailey and Letty with the assist. At 12.39, Brock Nelson again. His sixth of the postseason. Bailey with the helper. 3-1 Islanders. And at 16.07, Kyle Palmieri unassisted his seventh of the playoffs. End of the second period, 20 minutes away from advancing, Islanders with a 4-1 lead. You knew you'd get everything that Boston had, and you did. In the third period, Brad Marchand scores on the power play. Uh, His eighth of the playoffs, Krejci and McAvoy with the assist. 4-2 with almost 15 minutes to go. Bruins did not have a lot more chances, though, after that. And then, with about a minute to go, Cal Clutterbuck, 59 seconds, in fact, uh, an empty netter made it 5-2. Ryan Pollock made it 6-2. 
Islanders win, and the final seconds at the Coliseum. Oh, it was excitable, and it sounded like this. Ten seconds to go. Bruins have it behind the Islander net. New York Saints is the chant by this Islander crowd. Letty on the far side, off the glass. Five seconds to go. Bruins holding in behind the New York net with three reaching on it. The Bruins out, and the New York Islanders defeat the Boston Bruins by the final score of 6-2. to two. The series is over. They eliminate Boston in six, and they will head to the Stanley Cup semifinals for a second straight year where they'll meet the Tampa Bay Lightning once again. Now that, of course, Chris King is heard right here on 98.7 ESPN. A lot of similarities between the first two series, Islanders uh, and the Penguins, Islanders and the Bruins, 2-2. They go on the road. I don't know if you want to say they steal a win, but they they wind up getting a a win and come home and just take advantage of that fanatical home crowd at the Coliseum to close out a game six. Barry Trotz, after the game, after the series win, discusses winning game six at home yet again. We recognize this is a, a, a special moment for this building and, uh, you know, guys understood the, the magnitude of this game, uh, the importance of the game. And this, this is a group that's, that's very easy to, you know, you don't have to say too many things. You just have to give them little reminders here and there. But they're, they're really a solid veteran group. They understand the moments. And, and this was a moment for them. Um, and our crowd and and it was a what a great atmosphere i was saying just before we came on here i it it was deafening and uh um i couldn't hear anything out there i i I had some white noise for a while there so uh, that's fantastic what an atmosphere it is a dizzying noise at the Coliseum at this point. Remember, th- these games were played in front of no fans for so long. And then you have the fact that people are allowed out of their houses now. If you're vaccinated, you're allowed to be in that building now. And there is a it. it, it the Islanders fan has always been a great fan. They, they, they're, they're loyal. They're passionate. They're loud. They're fanatical. But it feels like it's at an even higher level this year than we've seen in the past. So I mentioned closing out these games. Six is at home. They did it against Pittsburgh. They did it again against Boston. Uh, Here is Barry Trotz on his team playing really their best hockey in the closeout games. It says a lot. We know that you got to have your best game. You know, I look back even last year, uh, game game seven against Philadelphia would have been our, uh, as good a game as we've, we've played in a closeout game. And we knew we had to do that. So I think those experiences, I keep coming back to experiences because that's what allows you to have success, to understand the moment. And we don't get too far in front uh, of the moment. We weren't even thinking about Boston. We were just thinking about the next shift. And that was a great focus of our, our, our team today. They, they are such a, a resilient bunch and such a, a physical, I mean, four lines, crowd is into it, uh, just, just really a, a recipe. They, they are almost the definition of what you're looking for uh, in postseason hockey. So they get by Pittsburgh, they get by Boston, and now you face a familiar opponent. The same team you faced last year uh, in the Final Four, or I guess last year was the Eastern Conference semifinals. Here is Barry Trotz. Have you guys thought about revenge on the Tampa Bay Lightning? No, we've talked zero about Tampa Bay. We just, you know, we start out this journey to beat Pittsburgh. We start out and then we were able to do that. And then we focused in on Boston and we get a shot to, to go against the champs again. So uh, they're great. I just watched them uh, close out Carolina. That's a, that's a good hockey team right now. And uh, dangerous, very dangerous power play. Obviously, they're hitting about 50%, I think it seems like so. And they've got, they've got superstar power just as Boston does. 
realize that uh, you know they they've got a, a few lines uh, that can that, that can hurt you in there. You know, uh, Vezina type goaltender. Their defense is is extremely deep, and their forwards are extremely deep. So uh, this is a, a really this will be a huge challenge for us. But you know, we'll we'll, uh, we'll try to dissect it and and uh, see what we can do. You played a really good team in round one. You played a better team, I thought, in round two. You step up in class in a huge way in round three. I mean, this Tampa team, like you said, the goaltending is terrific, right? Defensively, they're better than you've seen. Offensively, they're better than you've seen. So, I mean, you have your work cut out for you, but are you going to be the guy that that picks against the Islanders? I'm not saying anything. Here's Brock Nelson on a, a rematch against facing Tampa. Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta beat the best if you want to if you want to win it all you gotta beat the best and um, I don't think anybody has been sitting here thinking about re- revenge on Tampa and just trying to take it each uh, each game each series one at a time. Um, now we can kind of turn turn the page and um, turn our fo- focus to them. They're obviously a great team, defending champs uh, here again. So um, yeah, it'll it'll be a good battle. I know as a fan, you never want to look ahead and you never want to you know, look to the series that's coming up after. But but if you look at what the run the Islanders have gone on and will have to go on to win a Stanley Cup, if they somehow get by Pittsburgh, Boston, Tampa and Vegas, oof, that is some bear. That is some kind of bear. Anthony Bavillier, all we hear about is we hear from Trotz, but we don't hear a lot about the head coach of the Islanders. Here is Anthony Bavillier on his head coach. I think it's just experience. Obviously, he's he's won the cup. He's uh, he's had some runs, and obviously, just uh, the way he talks, the way he uh, motivates the group, the the way he's prepared him and co- the coaching staff. I think uh, it goes a long way. I mean, not just the postseason, but for the season to get us prepared for the playoffs and stuff too. So um, I think he's done. Uh, uh, a tremendous job with us since he's since he's got here and he's got, given us the chance to uh, uh, play in the postseason and year after year. And I mean, um, obviously it's a it's a group thing, but uh, uh, he's re- he's really there for us and obviously lots of experience, like I said, and uh, kind of done it without him. He's as good a coach as there is in the NHL right now. I really, truly believe that. All right, quick break. Greg Wyshynski from uh, ESPN will join us. We'll break down the Islanders and their series against Tampa, the Islanders and what they just got past. Maybe look ahead at the Rangers, potential new head coach coming up hopefully soon, and we'll look at the other semifinal in the NHL. It's the Hockey Show. It's Rothenberg with you right here on a Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Merrick with a special Islanders. Playoff trivia question. Who holds the Islanders' goaltending record with 73 saves in a playoff game? Back with the answer in a moment. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Merrick with a special Islanders' playoff trivia question. In 1987, Kelly Rudy had 73 saves against the Washington Capitals. At the time, an NHL record, which has since been broken by Junis Corpusalo in 2020. All right, it is Saturday morning. Dave Rothenberg with you right here on 9870 ESPN. It's the hockey show, and he's become a staple of the hockey show, and people are clamoring. I was walking down the street the other day. Why don't you have Greg Wyshynski on every single week, someone said to me. I said, listen, I don't want to stand in the way of that happening. Let's do it. Senior NHL writer right here for us at ESPN, co-host of uh, Puck Soup Podcast. That is the ultra-talented Greg Wyshynski. What's up, Greg? 
<laughs> that's much, man. I gotta. Although I'm gonna have to ask my mom what she's doing in Westchester to uh, bumping into you and uh, asking about me on the show. It's very impressive. Yeah, at the grocery store, Mrs. Wyshynski. She's like, I want Greg on every <laughs> single week, and I promised I wouldn't call her out, but you did. So we'll we'll leave it at that. You know, I I gotta be honest. I thought the Islanders were gonna beat. Pittsburgh and they did and I, I thought they were outplayed for a bit in that series and you know found a way I thought they'd lose to Boston and again they found a way and now they're sitting here with Tampa on the horizon are you at all surprised that the Islanders won both of these first two series yeah I was surprised on the Boston one I think but I, but I also think that maybe we didn't have all the information that we needed for that series which was that uh, Tukarask the uh, goalie for the Bruins clearly was not 100% he had a torn labrum uh, he's going to need surgery. He might not be back on the ice until January, uh, he said, uh, this week after the series was done. So, you know, one of the reasons you'd give Boston the advantage in that series wasn't really an advantage. And, and it's kind of funny that in two straight series, you could say the opponent's goaltending was one of the reasons why the Islanders were able to advance. Chris Tristan Jari was a sieve for the Penguins, and then, and then Rask clearly wasn't 100% for the Bruins. Um, not the reason they lost the series, but certainly not the reason uh, they, they won the series either. So now they play Andre Vasilevsky, who's you know arguably the best goalie in the league in the Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, they won't have an advantage there, I don't think, unless there's something going on with Vasilevsky they don't know about. But in the other two series, I think you can see their path to victory, even though I thought the one against the Bruins was maybe a little bit more of a surprise. Uh, we'll look at the Lightning series in just a second. I want to kind of reflect back on the Bruins series. And two keys, you mentioned the goaltending. And yes, the Islanders certainly had the advantage there. And it seems like Varlamov is now entrenched back as the number one guy. But two things that, that I'd said have to be good for the Islanders to advance in that series, they were. And that's Matt Barzell, number one, and the power play, two. If they continue to get that, there's going to be a very tough out for this team. I think so, and you know, obviously, if they need to be a bit better on the penalty kill. Um, that was, I think, an issue in some of the games against the Bruins. And the last thing that you can do is <laughs> is not function well on the penalty kill against the Tampa Bay Lightning, because that is their absolute bread and butter. Uh, but that one, well, you know, the interesting thing about the Islanders is that if you look at their regular season stats, clearly not one of the brighter lights offensively in this league. I think they all agree. Um, you know, their goals per game was under three. Um, you look what they've been able to do in these playoffs. Their goals per game, I think, is up around like uh, 3-7 or something in that neighborhood. On home ice, even better. Uh, they're averaging four goals a game uh, on home ice. So it's it's been a really impressive offensive postseason for the Islanders so far. And I'm intrigued to see if they can carry that over to a Tampa team that is coming off a, a series against the Carolina Hurricanes where it was their defensive prowess that was uh, what was really impressive in that series against, uh, against the Hurricanes. What do you make, Greg, and Greg Wyshynski with us here, a senior NHL writer at ESPN, what, what do you make of what Bruce Cassidy did after Game 5? Was that, was that a desperate head coach looking for an advantage? <laughs> I mean, what, what was your take on what he did and what he said? Well, it's funny. Like, when we see coaches pop off about the officiating, some of us are like, oh, these guys are geniuses. They're playing 4D chess. They're trying to work the system, yada, yada, yada. And they're... There might have been some of that inherent in his comments because it, it did work. I mean, the Bruins did get the first couple power plays in that next game. But I just thought he was pissed off, man. Like, I really thought that he was, he was angry after a loss and he was looking over at, at the Islanders and seeing you know, comments that Barry Trotz made about Patrice Bergeron cheating on faceoffs and all of a sudden Bergeron's getting tossed out of a faceoff circle. Like, I think he was real frustrated that the other side had sort of worked the officiating and was and was uh, excelling based on reputation 
while his team wasn't. So it may have resulted in them getting some benefit in game six, although not ultimately on the, in the win column. Uh, but I think the catalyst for his, his feelings was straight up emotion versus anything uh, more tactical than that. Do you think there was any truth to what he was saying? Oh, totally. That game sucked. That game was <laughs> atrociously officiated. I mean, he had every right to, uh, to gripe about the officiating in that game. Because, I, I mean, you look at the stats, right? When you're looking at the stats and you see one team have a complete disparity in puck possession and zone time in a game, and yet the other team gets like the first three power plays, there's something malfunctioning there. I mean, there's no reason for the Bruins not to have had at least a power play to break up the string that the Islanders had based on how much work they were putting in the zone. I mean, he's right. The, the Islanders aren't the New York Saints, uh, as he said. They definitely can obstruct and high stick and, and, and do all the things that you got to do in the, in the defensive zone to stop a team like Boston. And for them not to have gotten any calls, he had every right to be upset about that. I thought that the game was atrociously officiated, actually. So, so that's one side, and that's, of course, Cassidy. And then you have Barry Trotz. And I was saying this earlier. I mean, could you argue that, that he's the best head coach in, in all of the NHL right now? You, you look, he succeeds in Washington, where very few were able to have the ultimate, or no one had the ultimate success, and he finally did. He leaves there. They, they've fallen on hard times, right, at least in the postseason. The Islanders have taken a huge step up. Can we make that argument that he is the best head coach in hockey right now? Yeah, you know, there's, there's a few guys that I think could be considered for that mantle. Um, you know, the, a couple of them we just saw uh, get nominated for the Jack Adams uh, trophy for uh, best coach in the NHL. Um, you know, I, I think Rod Brindamore, the Hurricanes, is one guy that's very impressive. I think Joel Quenville and what he was able to do with the uh, Panthers this year was very impressive. I think Pete DeBoer who uh, doesn't have a huge ton of n- number of fans in this league, does a really good job in Vegas in managing a deep roster, but also managing a kind of a chaotic situation at times with that roster. Um, and then, you know, the, the thing about, about Trotz is that you can see his imprint on this roster. You can see the work that he did in making this team better defensively from the moment he walked through the door. I, and, and that's something you could point to and tangibly say that he makes a difference. Then you get a guy like John Cooper with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it's a little bit harder to kind of lead what he does there because the team is so talented, right? So I think he's an amazing coach. For my money, John Cooper is right in the conversation with Barry Trotz for being best coach in the league. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, how, how do you, it's, it's sort of the Pat Riley problem, right? Like how do you judge Pat Riley as one of the best coaches in basketball when he's got that to work with all the time? You know what I mean? And I think, I think John Cooper is in sort of the same spot where, uh, his prowess as a coach is sometimes overshadowed by the the, the hand that his, he's been given by uh, his general manager and and their uh, their sneaky ways around the salary cap. Yeah, they've done quite the job with what they've uh, they've done keeping guys on the injured list all year long. So so let's get into that before we even analyze the series. Walk us through. What I guess it's it's legal, but they're certainly circumventing the system, right? Well, circumventing is a <laughs> is a term that connotes cheating, right? And they didn't cheat. They worked the system. They, a, a loophole? Can we say um, a loophole? Well, it, it's, I wouldn't even say it's a loophole because here's the thing. They had to play the entire regular season without their best offensive player in Nikita Kucherov. So the way, if you remember the National Hockey League coming down on the Devils for the uh, Ilya Kovalchuk sure. contract and then coming down on all those other contracts eventually that uh, – you know, where the, the the last couple of years of a 13-year deal, the guy's making as much as a, you know, a dishwasher. <laughs> you know, like, like it's, it's just insane how low the salary is for these guys. 
at the end of these contracts that are, are legitimately trying to circumvent the cap. They came down hard on those teams because they were che- trying to cheat the system and, and trying to cheat the system in a way where there was no sacrifice. Okay, They're just trying to hand out a contract to get around the cap. In the case of the Lightning, and in any, any team that puts a, a, a player on long-term injury reserve, they're sacrificed. They had to, they had to play a 56-game season without their best player. And, you know, they're deep enough, um, and, and I'm partially deep enough because they didn't have to jettison anybody from their cap because of the Kucherov going on long-term injury reserve, where they were able to – it's never going to be seen really as something, you know, circumventing the system, I don't think, as long as there's a price being paid by the team. And, and you know, at the, at the end of the day, they, they made it through. They finished third. They got Kucherov back, and now look where they are. But, uh, but they still had to be without their best player for the entirety of the season. Well, they, they certainly are an immensely talented team. Would you say that, that even though Boston's very good, that they had the, the one line, which is exceptional, that this is a, a big step up in class for the Islanders? <clears throat> without question. And, and I think that it starts the, – the, the differences start on the blue line. Um, there's no Victor Hedman on the, on the Boston Bruins. There's no Ryan McDonough on the Boston Bruins. Or maybe Charlie McAvoy comes close. Uh, but the, there is certainly an advantage in a, in a different world that they're about to step into as far as the defense core on this team. I also think that the Lightning have shown in the first two rounds of these playoffs why they are a prohibitive favorite to come and play for the Stanley Cup again, which is that they've got a team of guys that have just been through it and done it. And, and you know, they don't have to rely on Kucherov. They don't have to rely on Stamkos. My God, they, they won a cup without Stamkos last year. They have the Kalorns of the world and the Braden Points of the world and Blake Coleman, all these guys that just seem to come up with a play or come up with a goal when it's necessary. And you look at the teams that they've gone through. The Florida Panthers haven't learned how to do that yet. The Carolina Hurricanes maybe don't have the guys that can do the same thing on their roster that Tampa Bay has. And, and that's the real thing. I mean, the Islanders are very adept at targeting uh, the best players on a, an opposing team and trying their best to shut them down. The Lightning have that incredible ability, as I think does Vegas, to have a different hero every night. It, it's really remarkable. Uh, Greg Wyshynski with us here, breaking down the uh, NHL postseason, specifically the Islanders, of course, uh, 98.7 ESPN. Is there any advantage at all for either of these two teams that they, they, they battled last year in the postseason and meet each other again, or, or does that mean nothing? I think it means less than it normally would um, because of the crowd situation. So let me, let me dial it back for a second. I do think that it can be informative to see how Barry Trotz tried to play this Lightning team. There was a series, I mean, I think four of the six games went under the goal total from a betting perspective, um, which tells you that he tried to kind of like play it as defensively as he could. Um, it's, that's not what we've seen from this Islanders team so far, but it doesn't mean they can't change tactics against Tampa. But the great and interesting equalizer in this series is the Nassau Coliseum. I've been there for two rounds. That place is a madhouse, and you can feel the Islanders playing a different way and, and, and it, feeding off the, the energy of the crowd and giving energy back to the crowd at the same time. And so it wouldn't shock me if this ends up being a series where the home team holds serve through game seven. Um, because if the Islanders get it to six, I don't think they're losing at Nassau. And I think that they could push it to seven. I don't think they ultimately win the series. But I think that is the big difference between what we saw between these teams and the bubble 
and what we're seeing now is just the incredible home ice advantage that the Islanders have in playing at Nassau, which I think keeps them in, in any game uh, in this series on, that's played on the road. All right, so you tipped your hand a little bit and said you expect Tampa to win this series. But, but let me take you a different avenue here. If the Islanders win this series, for the Islanders to be able to win this series, what has to happen and go right for them? Um, so what has to happen is that um, most of the wins will be with Tampa scoring fewer than three goals. Um, I think what has to happen is that the Islanders win every game played at Nassau Coliseum. And I think what has to happen is that the brute force with which the Islanders can play, which, let's face it, had a, a pretty deleterious effect on the Bruins. I mean, a hit knocked Brandon Carlo, one of their most important defensemen, out of the series. Um, they have to be extraordinarily physical and grinding against the Tampa Bay team that, yeah, has been able to handle that in series in the last two years. But, you know, there's a little bit of history to show that these series can go late and they can go to overtime and they can be very closely played when the Lightning are playing a a team that really knows how to beat them up. Um, You know, the the Panthers certainly didn't, and so that that went quick. But, you know, the Islanders pushed them to six last year, and, and there's something to be said for that. So the scores have to be low, and in particular, the Lightning can't score more than three goals in a game if, if you want to try to defeat them. All right, two more quick ones, non-Islanders related. The, the I, I'd say the Western Conference, but I guess technically it's not the Western Conference. The, the <laughs> other the other semifinal, I, I will never get over that, the other semifinal, Vegas and Montreal, the Canadians are scalding hot. They've won seven games in a row. Uh, Vegas, I, I mean, arguably the best team in hockey are right there with Tampa right now. Uh, who do you like in this one? I like Vegas. Um I do find it kind of, I, you know, one of the things that I did for ESPN.com was, was come up with some wagers for this series. And, and I, I think one of the more interesting ones, though, is uh, for the series to end in five games. Because if Vegas is as good as they looked against Colorado and dispatching what was, in the eyes of many, the best team in hockey this year, and they're facing a Montreal team that is going to be off for about a week, which I think really saps a lot of the momentum they had coming off that Winnipeg series, this could be, this could be quick. Um, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights are very, very good and obviously a cut above what the Canadians have seen in, in the North Division this year. That said, you know, as the Devils fan, <laughs> I do remember 1995, and I do remember teams that just find their identity at the right time, get their hot goalie going, and play impeccable defense in back of opportunistic scoring and maybe this is just an underdog juggernaut we're seeing on the light, on the on the Canadian side, um, where they're the ones who end up making it a quick series. I kind of believe it's the first one. <laughs> I think it's I think it's option A <laughs> that, that Vegas comes in and, and really takes it to them. Um, but I, I so I, I I'm I'm pretty confident we're going to see Vegas emerge from this series. But you do have to put an asterisk there in saying that the Canadians have certain defied expectations uh, so far. Yeah, what a phenomenal run from them. And, and last one, and that is the, the Rangers head coaching search. Has, has Gerard Gallant kind of um, pushed his way to the front of the pack here, or is that not fair to say? No, I think so. Uh, every, every indication I've gotten from people around the league and behind the scenes that, is that it, it seems like that's going to be the match. I like that match a lot. I think, I think Gallant is, is a real solid players guy as a head coach. Um, and, and certainly, um, 
could be could be coming to this team at the right time, not only for what the Rangers need, but also, you know, Gallant's now going to be on his fourth stop in this league and has learned a lot, I think, in each stop. Um, he's very, very good at, at building uh, a sense of identity and uh, and building a sense of cohesion within a roster. And I think if you look at where the Rangers are and their maturation as a contender, um, that's that's exactly what they need right now. And I think he'd be a, a, a really terrific fit for this franchise if it ends up being Gallant. Oh, the Rangers fan is thrilled to hear you say something positive because they are not happy with the way things have gone down the last couple of uh, of weeks, I would say. <laughs> Greg, gr- great stuff. Greatly appreciate it. I- enjoy the, the final four in the NHL, and I hope we get a chance to chat at some point soon. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, that, of course, is Greg Wyshynski. Quick break, come back. Barry Trotz was on the K Show earlier this week. We'll take a listen to that and get you ready for Game 1, Islanders at the Lightning on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Well, it is the hockey show on a Saturday morning. We're off the Burgundy right here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Islanders Lightning get started tomorrow. Let me run through the schedule quickly for you, and then we'll hear a little Barry Trotz and send you on your way to Joe Wiz on this beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, tomorrow, 2.30, at the Lightning. Islanders at the Lightning. Uh, you can hear it and every game here in the postseason from here on out on 98.7 ESPN. That's game one. Game two, Tuesday, June 15th. 7.30 start, Islanders at Lightning again. Then the venue switches on Thursday, also a 7.30 start. Uh, Lightning at the Islanders next Saturday. Oh, can you imagine that? Saturday night on, on the island. Oh, the, the place will be, you think that you've seen fever pitch so far. Uh, 7.30 start for that one. Then it's all, um, you know, if necessary, Monday the 21st. Wednesday, the 23rd. Friday, the 25th. All those games will get started 7.30 if necessary, right here on 98.7 ESPN. We've talked about him a lot so far uh, during the course of the show, and that is Barry Trotz. Let's take a listen. He was on the K Show earlier this week here, a show you can hear from 2 to 6.30 on 98.7 ESPN. Coach Trotz, do you think the barn, the coliseum, the the feel, the fever pitch gives you guys an advantage in this postseason? I do. It's an older building. Obviously, we're moving into a newer building, but the old school building, people are on top of you. It's just the the way they were and the last couple games obviously we started with no fans and now we have full stadiums and our fans are as passionate as any in the league and and loud as any in the league and uh, it has an effect I know it motivates our players does it have an effect on on the other team I don't know but it helps our players well I can tell you uh, that it certainly has an effect and a negative one at that uh, on the other team the the crowd is just I mean, it's a, it's absolutely electric. So now we know it's the Islanders and the Lightning from the K-Show. Barry Trotz, a couple days back, were you motivated to face Tampa yet again this season? We didn't know who you were going to play to this point. But, you know, when you set a certain bar, which we did last year, we wanted to get back to that. So we didn't get to our final goal. Our final goal is to obviously try to win the Stanley Cup. It's very difficult to do that. You probably fail a few times before you do it. You know, you ask yourself, do you have what it takes? And you have to go down that road again and you have to see if you can push it further and Tampa went down that road a few times and then finally they were able to break through last year Uh, Washington when I was there we went through that a few times and then finally we broke through so we're in that process we had no sights on Tampa it's fortunate that it is Tampa because we didn't know how things would play out but we wanted to to get back this is a proud group and 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 a good hockey team we feel and we had two nasty series one against Pittsburgh and and obviously one against Boston and now Tampa's in our way so we've got to find a way to get through them. 
Now, remember, the Islanders haven't played a, a non-divisional opponent since Tampa in last year's postseason. I mean, they haven't seen any other team outside of the the other teams within their division. So this will be a, a different look and a different feel. And I think that, that the guys probably enjoy going up against someone that they haven't seen in such a long time. So last year when they went up against Tampa, it, it was, you know, finished the series prior and then right to it. This year, the Islanders actually have s- some time off in between games. How helpful will it be to have some time off this year as opposed to what you had last season, Coach? It's going to help. We came into uh, that series with having virtually no chance to win that game. With the time change, the travel, the emotion of the seven-game series, and a lot of people forgot that three of the last four games went to double overtime. So there's an extra game in there, and, and then you're flying across the country after getting virtually no sleep because uh, people don't, uh, some people don't understand you have an emotional victory or, or games or whatever it takes you hours to get get to sleep you know so you, you know most of the guys got to sleep probably two three in the morning and then you're up at you know at eight flying across the country and then we have prep meetings trying to get as much information to the players as we can and then you're playing we didn't have any chance that first game so you, you start the series so you know down and then we lost game two I think two one on a late goal by Kucherov and uh, all of a sudden you're sitting there going, you know, we're going to win the series, we're going to win four of our next five. I think it's getting a day to, to prep, having played them last year, because we haven't played any other teams than, than the ones we've seen to this point. And so, um, you know, from that standpoint, I, I think that will be, uh, you know, be helpful that we understand them a little bit and we've played them and we haven't played them for basically eight months now. So mm. it'll be good. And I'm glad it's Tampa. It's not someone else. If you're going to go win a Stanley Cup, why not go against the best? Yeah, you got to go right right through the champions. What will you remember about last year's series against this Lightning Club? When you get so close, and I'll remember that because of our, our players, how much they were committed, and then the opportunity for that whole group that I wanted so badly for them to go through the experience I had in Washington, winning a cup, and that was a that was a close group, and this group might be even closer, which is great. But when you, you get that close and don't get it, you remember it. Just as I remember the victory with when we won the cup in with Washington, I'll I'll remember that on my deathbed. There'll be moments, and I've talked about moments. I'll remember the last night's game. There's moments that'll flash through your head and your deathbed that were great moments and uh, through your journey through life and those are things that you want to remember and uh, I just said that'll be one that I'll remember because we were right there. You know, you lose in double double overtime game six, we could add it to game seven. Our players left everything they had on the ice just as they have this year and that's the thing that you want. You want them to succeed. Well, Barry Trotz is accumulating a lot of those moments after moments. Again, tomorrow, 2.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Islanders at the Lightning. Tuesday, 7.30 right here. Islanders at the Lightning as well. We are continuing along, people. We'll be back next week and the week after, and we will go as long as the Islanders' run goes here in the postseason. Some thanks. Our coordinating producer, Andy from Merrick, of course, couldn't do anything without the yeoman's work of the great Anthony Pusick and Ray Deanahan. Big shout out to you as well we'll be back next week seven o'clock it's the hockey show islanders and lightning will break it all down for you joe Wiz is next right here have a great saturday on 98.7 espn